look at it, she's so happy. <laughs> I was going to say kids dismissed, but <laughs> all right. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 5 tonight. In verse 15, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15. Tonight we're going to look at the problem of covetousness. It is a problem of our society for sure. So let's look here at chapter 5. Let's pick up at verse 15. And it says, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. And it came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But, I, but he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman, uh, Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burdens of earth. For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto their gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardoned thy servant, and when my master goeth into the house of Raymond to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Raymond, when I bow down myself in the house of Raymond, the Lord pardoned thy servant in this, in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master at spear, Naaman, this Syrian is now receiving at this, at this hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somehow, some, I'm sorry, somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lied down from, from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master had sent me, that's a lie right here, okay, saying, Behold, even now they become to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two talents and two charges of garments. And Amon said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and lay them upon, uh, upon I'm sorry, upon two of his servants, and they bear, they bear them before him. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, may we learn, Lord, that covetousness, it is a sin, Lord, that is that really goes right down to the soul of man. And, Lord, covetousness is, Lord, Lord, we see this in our society. Predominantly, Lord, how many people covet what other people have constantly, all the time, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be content where we are with the things that we have and the things you have provided us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at the, the problem of covetousness. I don't believe any of us right here tonight needs to hear this message, right? Because <laughs> we don't have the problem of covetousness. I don't think you online needed to hear that one either. But anyway, for the sake of it, let's just look at, at this uh, 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 title tonight, The Problem of, co of Covetousness. So, the Bible not only gives uh, uh, give us a portrait of God's grace 
uh, as with the healing of Naaman right here, but he also gives us a striking, clear uh, portrait of man's sinfulness and perversion. The, the Bible, you know, when we get to this chapel, we see the way the Lord worked on this Syrian captain, and in a way he healed his body. He had to go to Jordan River and bathe himself, and he did after much complaining, but he did. But now, what do you have here? We have the opposite. We have another guy right here, which is a servant of a prophet or, or a learner, so to speak. And we see the heart of a man right here and what he uses to get what he wants. So, these portraits in Scripture, uh, let me go back here a little bit. Uh, let me see. The, I'm sorry. These portraits in Scripture serve as instructions and warnings to turn to God in a life of, uh, for a life of godliness and away from a life of uh, uh, um, turn to God for a life of godliness and away from a life of un ungodliness. So this story of Gehazi is a sad story right here, folks. But it is one which happens thousands and of different times each and every day in our society. This thing right here about covetousness is not something new. It happens quite often in everyday life with every, everybody in this world. Covetousness is a problem of society. So it is a story that stands in strong contrast with the preceding passage which we saw, Naaman healed of leprosy and he turned to God in simple faith. But here we see Gehazi struck with leprosy because he turned away from God to blur the truth of the free nature of salvation. So, in, in one story, leprosy portrays sin. It is universal scoop and it falls upon all men. But in the... In the story of Gehazi right here, we see the specific sin of greed or covetousness and materialism and, uh, and the way it destroys the ministries of men and their capacity to serve the Lord. So in the story of Gehazi, we see the process, process of consequences of greed and covetousness, which always uh, hinders godliness and, and godly service. Now listen, if a person, what he has is, is covetousness or covet what other people have, it is a problem of the heart. And in that problem of the heart, doesn't let us serve the Lord the way we should because it is what the Lord wants us to do. Be content with the things that you have. Amen. You know, in on the other hand, if we covet what we don't have, we're not content with the things we have. We want what we don't have. You know, how many people put themselves in so much debt because they go get what they cannot afford? Maybe because they saw it. Some people are like this. They see a little butterfly flying on TV, and they want a butterfly. I'm just being simple, okay? They're seeing that somebody's car, a car on TV, they want a car. But the thing is, can I afford? Uh, sometimes a neighbor have a new car. I have to get a new car. Uh, you know, so because we want really in our hearts is get the car that the neighbor have. Hey, why don't you just put the car in and take my old one? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, goodness. So, but it's a problem. So let's look at this from a couple uh, points tonight about uh, the problem of covetousness. Number one, the sin of covetousness. Look, it says in verse 20, verse 21. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared Naaman, this Syrian, and not receiving at his hand that which he brought. But as he, he uh, the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somehow of him. Now, class, what is this guy doing right here? He's pre-planning. He's meditating on what he's going to do. He's putting his mind, he's, he's working his plan out. So he go and 
execute the plan after. And he does exactly what he's planning in his mind. So right here you can see the sin is already inside of his heart and his mind. And he's thinking about it, probably talking out loud. And he's going and do it. Okay, that's what, that's what the verse reveals. Says. Now verse 21, look at that. So Gehazi followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lied down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well. So, you see, here's one guy that just got healed, got saved, got healed, he's content, he's going home, and here's another guy that is covered what he has, and he says, I'm going to pre-plans in his mind and goes or premeditated, and goes and follows, try to get his plan uh, executed. You know what? And he does. So the story is introduced with Gehazi uh, being described as the servant of Elijah, the man of God. Here is one of the things that makes this story so sad, and that same, in the same time, a warning to teach all of us here. He, uh, he was uh, not a uh, man without opportunities here. As a servant of Elijah, he was also a student of Elijah. You follow that? He was not just a, when we see the servant, we have a tendency to think he was, you know, washing clothes, cleaning the house, putting the clothes away, cooking for him. That's not what it says here. He was a student. Listen, he was living with, maybe he did some of those things, but he was living with Elijah, but he was a student of Elijah. Was Elijah a student of Elijah? You have one right here. So, but it's a warning for all of us right here. As a servant, he had the opportunity. So he had the, he had the example of Elijah's life and the message of his own lips, uh, of Elijah's lips, as a tremendous source of instruction, challenge, learning, and motivation for godliness and live and life of servant. Listen, he didn't get this premeditated thing in his mind. He didn't learn that from his master. Because Elijah just, didn't, just told Naaman, I don't want anything. As the Lord liveth, don't give me anything. You see, he failed to capitalize and grow through this privilege. We can see several important principles of warning and instruction from this passage right here. Let's look at a couple of them. Letter A. Now, opportunity and privilege are not guaranteed of success. Opportunity and privilege are not guaranteed of success. We must take advantage of the opportunities God gives us or we lose the blessing and impact of those opportunities. So just being around the Word... And, and godly examples never guarantees the communication of biblical truth, spiritual growth, and personal godliness. The disciples were with the Lord. They heard His word. They saw Him work in one never believer. You follow that? Because, see, we can't, listen, this is very important. We, we can open our Bibles. We can study our Bibles. We can we can hear message after message, go to church, do all this, you know what? And have a, a heart full of covetousness. You follow that? Because the Bible says we can have a form of godliness. Doesn't mean that we are godly, it's a form of godliness. Okay, so, yet they often gain no insight from these events and their hearts become more and more hardened. So, Gehazi was a servant of Elijah, but that didn't hold him back from doing what he did. Listen, you think that Gehazi thought that was wrong what he was doing? What do you think? Okay, he's a grown-up man. 
He's covered something. He pre-planned, pre-meditates, pre-planned, pre-talking, goes to talk with a guy. God, yeah, what's it, what he wants. You know why I'm going to say to you that, that he felt guilty of what he was doing? He knew that what he was doing he was wrong because he hide from his master. When we hide things like this because we know it's wrong. It actually, it was not him that told his master about it. It was, it was actually Elijah that confronted him. He says, Gehazi, where you been? What you been doing? See, the Lord already told Elijah what he's been doing. I said, I already know what you're doing. Can you, you want to confess it? <laughs> so likewise, many, let me put it this. I'm not saying that's you. Don't, 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 don't think I'm teaching to you. But this happened. I've been a Christian for many years. But I've seen this happen. Many sit in Bible teaching ministries. They hear the word of God taught Sunday after Sunday. But because of their own self-centered desires and commitments, they never allow the word to get in. They are like a barrel in the middle of a sea, which both, with both ends very tight and sealed. The water doesn't get in. So the same thing, the word doesn't get in their hearts. It doesn't transform them. Okay? So let it be, we see the opportunity and privilege must be pursued diligently. You see, the Second Peter 2.2 says, Desire earnestly. When we desire the sincere milk of the word, what happens? We grow. Right? As babies, we drink milk, as babies in Christ. But when we desire the sincere milk of the word, you know what? We begin to grow thereby. Is it, you know, okay. You ever see a hungry baby? Or you ever see a baby that's not hungry at all? I see both, both sides. But anyway, when a hungry baby eats, he's eating. He or she, you know, they, they keep eating. They keep eating, you know, because they're hungry and they don't stop. Sometimes mama goes, let me burp you, let me burp you. And they don't, they don't want to get burped. They want to eat more. So, failure to be diligent will result in the, uh, uh, of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, of, the, uh, of receiving blessings from the Lord. So, Gehazi failed to the opportunity to diligently obey his master's will. What was his will? Let these people go. You don't go and try to get stuff out of them. So, folks, the same goes for us Christians. Many Christians have access to all their needs for growth and fruitfulness. They have the Word of God, solid teaching ministries, the Holy Spirit that dwells in their hearts, but they fail to make use of those resources many times. I don't say it all of us, but some do. What we like, listen, it's not the Lord that fails us, it's we that fail ourselves. Because we have the Spirit of God in us, we have the Word of God in our hands, we listen, listen to the teaching, the preaching of God's Word, you know what we should do? We should be growing. But if, you, if we seal the doors, the word doesn't get in. So, let us see. We see the principle of our treasures. Tre treasures, I'm sorry. In this message, we definitely see the heart of a man called Gehazi right here. The whole thing is premeditated in his heart and in his mind. He sees the situation. He sees the opportunity to make a good payday. So, he uses the situation for his own benefit. He's acting on his own without the consent of knowledge of Elijah. Look what it says in verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spear naming uh, uh, this Syrian. Look what he says. He even says, this Syrian. Like I'm most disgusting, disgusted about it. He's not receiving it at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take some, somewhat of him. 
You see, he premeditates, he's thinking, he's making his plan. He said, oh, he didn't give to my master, but you know what? I'm going to do it for him. You know what? He's lying to himself. He's making himself feel good, taking the guilt out of his head so he can do what he wants to do. But in the end, guess what happened? He's not going to tell his master because he knows what he did was wrong. Get this, Gehazi had no business going after this man. The situation was resolved and closed. Elijah said there's no payment and should, should, never, left, uh, uh, should never be a payment. He should never run after this man. But covetousness, folks, is a strong desire that, were, that was living in the heart of this man. He was not rejoicing for the miracle that just happened in the life of Naaman. He was too consumed in coveting what this man had. He didn't care at that point what just happened to him. He just wants something out of him. Now the question is, where is my treasures? Where is, and in what is my system of values? The Lord carefully warns us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. Actually go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 and keep your fingers here in our text. I'll wait for you as you go there. Matthew chapter 6 verse, verse I'm sorry, verse 21. I'm sorry. Talking about the problem of covetousness right here. Look what it says. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You follow that? See, if our heart is after God, we're not going to be try to covet what is not ours. We are content with what God gives us. And that's what the Lord's trying to say here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your devotion, your pursuit, your preoccupation, your goal, and so, and so on, or your commitment, is that in the Lord or, or coveting things in this world? So Jesus knew the tug of war in our hearts between heavenly and earthly homes. He knew our struggle between money, love, and heavenly treasures. Jesus continues in verse 22, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, evil comes to our, to our hearts. The gold comes through from where? From the eyes. From the eyes, they come. We see, we want. We we see something and we covet what we want. That you see, this guy, he saw what happened. He saw the miracle. He saw this man uh, getting saved. And guess what? He looked at it. He forgot all that. And he said, "You have money. I'm going to take some from you." That's literally in plain English. You have a lot of money. I'm going to take as much as I can, because you are a Syrian anyway. You see. This guy was covered with his other man head. You see, he told we need a single eye. He warns that without that single sound eye, we would grope in the terrible darkness. So thorn perpetuating two directions. We could never see clearly the issue confronting us. So we would go through life confused if we look in both directions. You know, if you have, uh, we all have, Chris, you have one eye. We have two eyes, right? So imagine if we look in two directions. We're not going to walk straight. We had to focus on one thing, right? And when, you, when we walk, we focus on something so we don't fall anywhere. I'll tell you what. When, when we, if we try to walk the ways of the Lord and covet what is around, you see what I'm saying? We're going to fall somewhere. 
Letter D, the principle of regression. See, there is a simple no standing still in the pursuit of godliness. Either we are per pursuing godliness, drawing closer to God, or we are regressing, going downhill. This is one of the most basic principles of the Christian life. We either following the Lord or we following ourselves. Growth is progressive and never, and never, uh, we never arrive in our Christian growth. You know what? We don't come to a point to say, I have arrived. I know it all. I know all of it. No, we don't. The Christian, the awkward, that's what the Luke calls us as children because we continue to grow until when? Until we get to heaven. See, this is one of the most basic principles of the Christian life. If we stop the process, we will not simply stand still. We will reverse it and begin to regress. Regressing is slow and, and, and deceitful, deceitful. The signs are there, but we often don't see them until it's too late. A person can be a believer who regularly attends church, who is around the word, even involved in the Christian service, but can go on downfall regression. Because it takes a slow course. So there's no sense on, in which we are, we are growing in our character every day. The question is, which direction are we growing? Which direction are we are going? If we are going towards godly character and godly, I mean, I'm sorry, a godly character or ungodly character? Are we growing love or selfishness? In harshness or patience? Are we growing in greed or generosity? Are we growing in honesty or dishonesty? Are we growing in purity or impurity? Every day we train ourselves in one direction or another. But the thoughts we think, the words we say, the actions we take, the deeds we do reflects what's in our hearts. Okay. Gehazi spoke to himself. The words came from where? From his heart. The word says, but Gehazi thought, behold, is the words that he says. Literally, the Hebrew says, Gehazi said, but this expressed not that we said with his lips, but what he was, go was going in his mind, what he was thinking. Verse 26 is further uh, what we really was, was really going on in his mind. Look what it says in verse 26. And he said unto him, when not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee, it is a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and uh, vineyards and sheep and oxen and maidservants and maidservants. So Gehazi deceived, deceived Naaman in order to satisfy his desire for gold and silver because of what he thought he would, it would give happiness and security and significance to him. So he outright disobeyed Elijah. He outright took that of himself and he outright deceived a innocent man. Folks, I tell you what, if you have a cell phone today, believe me, you're a very popular person. How many phone calls do you get a day from people that are trying to, what they're trying to do? Get your money of selling something. <laughs> you're a very popular person. I'll tell you what, I was looking for, this is, uh, that's why I, I, I was looking for a car for my son, right? And I, I told him, I said, I don't want to put my email right here, my phone number, because I know it's going to happen. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. Oh, I know. Yeah, I talked to my wife about something the other day, and I said, you need to unlock that for 
Somebody's listening to you. <laughs> but anyway, I put my email and phone number. We were joking back and forth, and guess what happened? I'm getting phone calls like left and right all the time, emails. <laughs> we have a car for you. We have a car for you. We, I don't want your car. You know, I'm just curious about a price of one. But that's what they do. You know, they want to sell you a car so badly. They, you become so popular in no time. Letter E, we say the principle of our thought pattern. The principle of our thought parent. Our thought parent shapes our character, and our character shapes our conduct. So if you will notice, there is a definite relationship in these verses between thought pattern, personal character, and conduct. First, we see something of uh, Gehazi's thought pattern, which had helped to move him into the, uh, uh, the realm of greed and covetousness. From verse 20, it appears that he was thinking that because they did something for Naaman. So he's thinking that he owned them something. You know, it's amazing. Some people think that, oh, we did something for you. You owe me something. Listen, this is the Christian life. If I do something for you, I did it. You know, the Lord says, let your right hand don't see what your left hand does. Or your right hand don't see. You know, why is that? Don't, don't hold a anything back and say, I did it for you. No, you got to do it. That's not Christianity. That's self-interest right here. Oh, I'm giving you a flower, but you're going to give me two. That's not the way Christianity. Christianity is, I give it to you. I give it to you. Here right here, he has his thought pattern. Okay, you owe us something because look what my master did for you. You need to give us something. So this kind of thinking is not only contrary to God's grace, but it has its roots in the attitude of the, this world. Many people think that way. Then in verse 21 to verse 25, we see his conduct, deception, and defection here. There is a very close relation between our thoughts, our character, and our conduct. Repeated actions, conduct, reveal our inner character and, and thought process, mental attitude that produces. So what is the, uh, uh, an attitude? Listen to this. What's in an attitude? An attitude is a mental or neural state of readiness, organized thought, experience, exerting a directive or a dynamic influence upon the individual's response to all objects and, and situations which, which, uh, uh, with which is, a, is related. So an attitude, therefore, is a state of mind towards a value. Consequently, it seems to me that any, genuine, general, uh, any generally dynamic Christian life will be the outgrow of a dynamic Christian attitude shaped and looked into our thinking by the Word of God. See, we Christians, we growing, okay? Our attitude should reflect the Word of God. Not the, worry, the ways of the world. So our attitude, our response to things, our way of living, the way we speak should reflect we, who we are. You know, I'm in the Word of God. I'm learning from God. I'm applying His Word. And this, is, uh, this is my attitude and my conduct come out of that. Now, a person that does not, is not saved, doesn't know the Lord, doesn't read the Bible, doesn't study the Bible, has a worldly attitude or a selfish attitude. Okay? Because it, it, is, it is a tendency of the human heart. Give me. I deserve. Is, is the ad what we learn in Christianity is better to give than to receive. You see the difference? So if it's better to give than to receive and you rejoice giving, then it is a no covetousness there. But it's like give it to me because I deserve. You see that? 
you better give it to me because I deserve. So we begin to covet. You know, so that's what happens here. So in, in any fault, <laughs> unproductive Christians live, uh, uh, life will be an outgrowth of attitude shaped and looked into our thinking by an unholy system. So this is an age-old relationship of cause and effect, root, root and faith, a belief that behaves uh, and an attitude which acts. So part of the dynamic behind the temptation that Gehazi faced seemed from this attitude or, or steamed from this attitude. Now, get this. Some Christians have the simplistic concept of temptation that goes something like this. Satan, at a particular moment, flips to our side and whispers, do it. And we either do or we don't, depending upon our spiritual strength at that moment. You follow that? He goes, do it. Many times we do it. Other times we stand strong. See, we might be more consistently victorious if, uh, if we say, I'm not going to do it. If we realize that they are much more to temptation than the over momentary solicitation to evil, that our strength or weakness at that moment is based upon attitudes that we've been forming for weeks, sometimes months, and sometimes for years. So we do not fall in a moment of, of, of time. It just, it, it's a process that takes place. I don't think that Gehazi just said, oh, listen, that covetousness was already in his heart. You follow that? And this doesn't happen in a moment. It gradually, it gradually keeps on growing. And when it comes to full-blown or the opportunity shows up, there it goes. Letter F, we see the, princi uh, the principle of divide allegiance. Look at verse 20. But the Hamazai, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared Naaman this Syrian in now receiving at his, at his hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take it somehow of him. You know the sad thing here? He uses the Lord's name. That's another sad thing. Not only he lies, he covets, and he uses the, Lord, the Lord's name. As, as the Lord liveth. In verse 20, Gehazi is described as the servant of Elijah. Father, he even refers to Elijah as my master. All of which is tremendously suggest, suggested of one of the, of the key issues in the sin and failure of Gehazi and all of us today to some degree. Divide allegiance, fail to submit to authority in God's chain of command is often a sign of slavery to personal aspirations and desires that if allowed to dominate and control quickly takes the place of God's authority in our lives. You follow that? See, this natu naturally leads to discontent with one's lot in life followed by actions of rebellion and as seen here by Gehazi. Let me put it this way. Did Gehazi have the word of God around him? Yes. He had a master that was a godly man. Yes. He lived in a godly environment. Yes. With that covetousness came about. It was in his heart. He didn't allow God to clean his heart totally, so he kept, and the opportunity came. There he is going at it. Divide allegiance. Quickly, stiff, swift submission for, of God takes it away. And I tell you what, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve God and money at the same time. So let's face it. If the treasure of my heart is money or any of the other lost patterns, then I will be serving myself and not God regardless of how I may appear 
on the outside. Judas is a classic example of this. He was a phony as he, uh, and, and, and as he was there with the Lord. But, but you look at these, these 12 men, you say, well, he's, he's a guy that walks with the Lord. But in the end, guess what happened? He sold the Lord for 30 pieces of, of silver. Isn't that amazing? They are often nothing more than the, uh, when the opportunity shows up that we see where, where, where our heart really is. If we are divided between God as our master and our reputation or money, our bank rolls, our character, uh, I'm sorry, if we are divided between God as our master and our reputation, our bank rolls, our careers, our hobbies, our plans, and our desires of any kind, we will end up in, the, in deception acting out of a lie, out of lie. We will deceive ourselves and the fact still seeing the Lord as the only one that we should serve. So divine allegiance is closely associated with our next principle here. But let me put it this. A divine allegiance is I love God, but I love money. I love this, but I love this. I love. You can't have both. You know, God says I'm a jealous God. How can I love God and love money? How can I love God and love... You put the things there. God says, I, you have to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your strength. And everything else comes after. God says, you love me this way, I'll provide the other things. Be content where you are because I provide. Letter G, we see the principle of freedom and contentment. In what are we seeking our significant security and satisfaction and contentment? Where are we doing today? Where will you see? I mean, you answer those questions to yourself. Where did you find your source of contentment and satisfaction? Some people, they have to have a cup of coffee every day to be content. Some people, they have to buy something every day to be content. I'm being, you think I'm being silly, but actually I'm not. Some people, they have to buy something, some little thing to be to feel satisfied and to feel fulfilled every day. What about being fulfilled and full in the Lord? Amen. You follow that? What about starting our day with a devotional, with our Bible? What starting our day with prayer? What about starting our day that way and ending our day that way? I think it would be nice and fulfilled. You see, you can, we can fulfill our lives and feel like we, oh, only, I, I have to have this. I, listen, listen, oh, you know, in the morning, oh, I have, some people, not against those who drink coffee, don't get me, I'm not criticizing, Robert, if you watch, I'm not criticizing you, okay? Some people think, you know, I have to have my cup. We didn't grow up, we didn't, we were not born drinking coffee, anyway. I can say a thing about many other things. But what I'm trying to say right here, what is, what is the source of your contentment and satisfaction? Look what Jesus said in Luke 15, 12, 15. Take heed and be aware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. So contentment is one of the most distinguishing traits of a godly person. Because a godly person has his heart focused on good rather than on possessions or things that the person don't have. Uh, a man says that William Hendrickson uh, uh, has observed this so well. He says, the truly godly person is not interested in becoming rich. He possesses inner resources, resources which furnish riches far beyond that which earth can afford. Wow. 
Gehazi became a slave to his lost parent because he was not content with what God was doing in his life. He was no longer free to be devoted to God, so he became disloyal, unfaithful, and in general, and hindrance to the ministry of Elijah and the grace of God. Imagine, I mean, the Bible doesn't say, imagine what Nehemiah said. Hey, maybe, maybe he thought that out loud. Maybe he talked with one of his servants said, the prophet said he didn't want anything, but then suddenly his servant is coming asking me for something. What happened there? You see that the thoughts? I mean, he's a human being who's like us. I mean, it's not like people don't think, right? So freedom is an and a contentment with what we you have. It means to covet only heavenly treasures. What does such a commitment and mental attitude do for us? It frees us to, ma- to make the right choices. It changes our vision of who we are as sojourners of, of, why, uh, I'm sorry, of why we are to, to, we are here as servants and enables us to look at our lives in a new way with a biblical purpose. Listen, if we begin to grow in the Lord, we understand that I'm here for a time. I have what I have by the grace of God and I'm content where I am. I'm a steward what God has given me. So, covetousness doesn't live in their heart. Because ultimately, those who know they are stewards what God's given them, they know that someday somebody else is going to take care of that stewardship. They let it go so somebody, they can move on, somebody can take care of it. But I know why, in our world, so much covetousness and greed. Only if I have a little bit more, only if I have a little bit more. Listen, if you have to work for a living, you have to work for a living. We understand that. So freedom does not consist in, in doing what I want to do, but in doing what I ought to do as I was designed to do by the strength which God gives me. If we do, if we not, if we do not do, I'm sorry, if we do not want our lives to end like Gehazi, we must look in our treasures, those things that, to which we claim, claim to or have, and say, Lord, this is all yours in our mind. May we commit ourselves to God as sojourners in this earth and citizens of heaven. So, letter H, another principle here is the principle of uh, rationalization. Look at verse 20. Behold, my servant spare Naaman's this Syrian. So Elijah, uh, Elijah had refused to receive anything from this man when he was healed. But his, master, his servant comes in here and says, you, you rationalize in his mind, and he justifies his wrong. Isn't that what we do? Covetousness does that. We justified our wrong to be right. So we can get what we want. That's what, that's what he's doing here. He ignores what this, what this master did. He ignores what this master stands for. He rationalizes in his mind. He goes and does exactly what he planned to do. Then he hides it. Why he hides it? Because he knows it was wrong what he did. See, the principle, letter I, the principle of religious hypocrisy. We see this in verse 16. Look at verse 16. And he said, as the Lord liveth, behold whom I stand, I will receive none. This is a classic illustration of, this is Elijah saying, of mere external religion right here. He uses the right words, I'm sorry, uh, uh, that he had often heard Elijah said, but the spiritual reality was far from his heart. So it is easy to say something with our lips, but our hearts can be far removed from that. Isn't it? Okay, let me go back a little bit right here. Look, let's look at verse 16. 
let's have a look at verse 16. Uh, I'm in First Kings. I'm going to go to Second Kings. I am so sorry. Um, Second Kings, chapter five. Uh, let's see. There he is. And that was that was that verse. Verse twenty. Uh, look what it says. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, "Behold, my master, at Spearnaman, this Syrian, in now receiving at his hand that which he had brought." But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somehow of him. Uh, that's where the, I have the wrong. Uh, uh, I put Second Kings five twenty, um, but look what it says there. Um, I'm sorry, verse sixteen. Let's go to verse sixteen. It says, "But he said, as the Lord liveth, be, uh, before whom I stand, I will receive none." And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So that was the statement of Elijah right here. Elijah made the statement, I, I, I correct, correct myself here. Elijah made that statement right here, and Gehazi knew exactly where his master stood. But you know what? He pushed that aside because he was coveting what he had. So there was no real fear of God in his heart right here. So the Lord later made this event uh, 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 made this event through, through Elijah's, Elijah, so he could hear it, but he ignored this thing. So what about us? How we can be, can we be just like this man? Yes, we can. We can say, well, I'm far removed from that. May we be careful with that. Because we have a heart, and the Bible says the heart is deceitful. Right? Above all things, who can know it? Sometimes we hear about things that people do and we say, I would never do that. That's a wrong statement. We are capable to do even worse than those things because the evil that resides in our hearts. It is by the grace of God that we don't do those things. All right? So number one, we see the sin of covetousness. Number two, the downward spiral of sin. Verse verse 22 all the way to verse 26. uh, We see this thing right here. Uh, look what it says, actually, pick up in verse 20, 23. It says, And Naaman said, unto, uh, said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in, in two bags, in which, which two uh, charges of garments, and lay them upon two of his servants, and they bear, bear them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hands and bestowed them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. You see the, uh, see the covetousness going on over here? He made sure that he's the only one who knows what the, the stuff is. And he went in and stood before his master. And Elijah said unto him, Hence comest thou, Gehazi. You see, there's a question right here. Elijah already know where he's been. So first he sought to convince Naaman, or Naaman that, Elijah, that Elijah had experience, had an experience and an expected need. Verse 22. By this guise of sudden need, he managed to extract a generous gift from the grateful commander. You know what? This guy planted well, pre-planted, premeditated plan, went there and lied to that man. See what people do to get what they want? Of course, knowing that, knowing what he did, knowing that what he did is wrong, yes, I uh, conceal his treasure until he would have the opportunity to extract 
those trashes. He, he then attempts to sneak back to Elijah's house on notice only to confront by, be confronted by the prophet himself. His master knew all that had transpired rather than confess uh, uh, as I continue downward spiral right here. Lie which only worsened the situation. Look what it says. Let's go back a little bit right here. Look what it says. And um, let's see what verse. Uh, look at verse 25. And he went in and stood before his master, and Elijah said unto him, Hence come thou, Gehazi. And he said, Thy servant went no hither. And he said unto him, Went now mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Ooh. It is a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and, and vineyards and sheep and oxen and mid-servants. You see, Elijah is literally putting everything in, in a practical way so you can see what he's doing right here. And look what it says in verse 26. And he said unto him, When not my heart went with thee, and we read this, verse 27, here's a reward, the leprosy therefore of Naaman, shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. You see, we be careful with covetousness, the sin of covetousness, and, uh, and what we can reap from it. So we see the down spiral of sin right here. You see, sin, letter A, is a very serious business. We think that cancer is serious. Sin is even much worse than that. Sin is a very serious business. Not only does sin grieves and quench the spirit of the Lord, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Consequently, we many times turn over to our own desires so that, so that one, thing, one thing leads to another. Sin is like a snowball, and we huddle down, downward, moving further and further away from the Lord and fellowship with Him. We become more and more callous and insensitive to God's Word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. There's some who sometimes... Uh, like to attempt to play Gehazi's game. They manage to put on a religious front. They say the right words. They go through the right motions when in reality the destructive power of sin and, and of greed already had a grip in their hearts. Like the number, the numbers of, uh, uh, the number, I'm sorry, the numbers experienced by a leper, they become insensitive to sin, uh, grip, and they become numb of, uh, because of the hardness of their heart. And let me tell you, folks, when we take our eyes off the Lord, His Word, every day, and we begin to look in the ways of the world and think the way the world does, you know, we begin to walk slowly away from God. And covetousness is one of those things. I mean, listen, if you have possessions, praise the Lord you have possessions. Thank the Lord for it. Be a good steward what God's given you. But when we want what we don't have, we covet, like Gehazi right here. What did he pre-planted? He knows this guy is rich, and he goes after him. Yeah, what he has is plan, and the plan works exactly the way he wanted. It worked. But you know what? He didn't know that he was going to be found out. And that's what happens here. Sin is a very serious business. You see, let it be, we see the contrast verse 25 and verse 26. See, please note the contrast with Elijah in verse 26 and 27. Here, by contrast, Elijah was faithful to God, to truth, but, but, but also to Gehazi right here. To let Gehazi get by with this would be a 
the service and the lack of true love for him. At least now Gehazi could see the nature of his own sin and turn back to God in repentance. We are not told if this occurred on his life, but I believe maybe he did. I don't know if he did or not, but we know that he got leprosy. Another contrast to observe is the change seen in Naaman right here. What a contrast can be seen in a meeting between Naaman and Gehazi. Naaman descends from his chariot. This is a captain. This is a soldier. This is a man, a general in the, in the armies of, a, of, a, a, a Syria, of Syria. And guess what? He comes down. He learns something. He comes to look. And Naaman descends from his chariot to meet, to meet Elijah's servant, uh, uh, and Elijah's servant, you know, he come down. He said, like, I'm not better than you. He comes down and gives it to him. That's an amazing thing right here. No longer proud, arrogant person. The grateful reverence and humble. This man became so humble and was willing just to give him what he asked. What a, what a contrast right here between Gehazi and Elijah, between Gehazi and Naaman right here. Number three, our last point, we see reaping consequences. Look, look what it says in verse 27. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall... One sec. Oh. You give me one second. <laughs> so the, the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee. So according, accordingly, Elijah announced Gehazi's punishment. Since Gehazi had compromised the truth of the free nature of God's grace. Now, let me put it this way. What did Naaman receive that day he received God's grace it was not Elijah that cured him it was not the waters of Jordan that cured him it was the Lord the Lord was gracious to him and he learned and he said there's no God like the God of Israel he, so he understood that because he, this man probably went all over the place to see if he could get away from the leprosy and guess what he couldn't he knew he was going to die of that he received the grace of God that day. But you know what? Gehazi received the opposite. So Naaman's leprosy could become, uh, would become Gehazi's judgment of, this, of discipline because of what he did. Perhaps he did because he, we, uh, uh, he still, I'm sorry, perhaps he did because we still see him referred to as Gehazi, the servant of the man of God in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 4 and 5. So this, on the study of, uh, to Elijah, who had known such privileged opportunities, was banished in disgrace right here. For he had abused his favor opportunities in an attempt to acquire the details of life for himself. He forgot God, he forgot the instruction, he forgot his master, and he did what he wanted to do. He was greedy, he wants something. Instead of rejoicing that someone got healed instead of rejoice that someone got saved guess what happens he's after the person what can i get from you maybe we be careful that we don't live a life like this what can i get what can i get you know what i can give towards the lord what can i get you know our world is full of it's full of people like this givers and takers i think sometimes there's more takers than givers <laughs> but anyway uh, another message for the friend time. So the story of Gehazi is a sad story. But in keeping with the dishonesty of the word 
uh, the honesty of the word, I'm sorry, it gives us all an illustration to teach us much, a much needed lesson here. We need to stick close to the word of God because if we are content where we are, then covetousness is going to come into our hearts. Lord, I don't have much. Many people have more than I do, but I'm content right here. Covetousness proceeds that when we, what we, I can get. I conclude with this. Actually, let me, let me say the statement before I conclude. The Christian businessman has to make a profit to stay in business, but he should never use his business as a, ve- a vehicle to merchandise people. And I conclude that this talks about covetousness. The story of Gehazi is one which deals with the sin of covetousness and greed. As such, it might be helpful to briefly look at this specific sin. So, number one, covetousness is one of the most devastating sins man commits, one which is rooted, rooted of, uh, of one of the, the, the ugliest sin we can commit. Number two, covetousness is at, at the core of most of the misery that exists in the human race. Number three, covetousness is a sin which touches every one of us to some degree. Not one of us can say, well, I escaped this sin. And we have to be always on guard because of the sin. Our eyes see and our eyes want. Number four, it rears its ugly head in many ways and, in, in, in his, uh, I'm sorry, and it have many effects. In fact, it, it was the first sin. Eve saw what she could have. She wanted and took it. She covered what she saw. Paul teaches in Romans 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, that it was the Old Testament, uh, uh, I'm sorry, an Old Testament com- uh, commandment. It says, Thou shalt not covet, which was made away of his own sinfulness. Surely, what was true of Paul is true of all of us. We should not covet, because covetousness is an ugly, ugly sin. One day, Abraham Lincoln was walking down the street with two, boy, two small boys who were both crying loudly. A neighbor passing by inquired, What is the matter, uh, Mr. Lincoln? Why all this fuss going on? President Lincoln responded, The trouble with these, these two lads is what's wrong with the world. One has a nut and the other wants it. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the way it is? This is an old story and a, a little humorous, right? But humorously illustrates a big problem and the oldest one known to mankind, greed. So what's the definition of covetousness as I close? Covetousness is a discontentment which had which we have an intense desire for something else, something we believe will make us happy and will satisfy us. That's covetousness. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this passage tonight, Lord. May we don't have a covered heart, Lord. May we be content where we are with, with the things that you have given us. May we be good stewards of what you, give, you have given us, Lord. And I pray, Father, may we not have a heart like Gehazi had, Lord, to covet, to premeditate on which, how, how we can get things from others. I pray, Father, uh, bless each person here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.